Wow. I was thinking that maybe in lieu of me preaching, I'd just let Sarah stay up here and give me compliments all morning. I thought that would edify the church. Just kidding. Um, Yeah, like Sarah said, um, I'm a new mom, so I've really spent a lot of the last year talking to a now 11-month-old, so talking to a group of adults is a bit intimidating, so I thank you for your prayers, and I'm so glad that the Spirit of the Lord is here, and I know that he's going to speak to us today, but I just want to say... My goal today is that it's so simple. It's just that we would go out rejoicing because I think that that's what this chapter of Acts is really about. There's a couple of different ways people respond to the message of Jesus, but the one that brings life, the one that brings freedom is is joy. So if I were to have a title, I don't get to preach much ever really. So if I had a title, the awkward one is go out with joy. All right. I know Sarah just prayed, but I'm going to pray because I need him. God, we love you so much. We came here to worship today, and I thank you that we got to meet with you, that you spoke to us, that you ministered to us in this time of worship, and I pray that our worship ministered to you, God, as we just poured our hearts out to you. And God, I just thank you for this time that's set apart to dive into your word. God, I pray that it would go deep in us. God, your word is the seed that has the power to transform, to heal, to set free, to save. God, and I just thank you for your word and um, what you're going to do in each of us this morning. God, I pray you would help me, God, to get out out of the way. God, the parts of me that are nervous or want people to like me or think I'm funny or whatever, God, I just pray that those things would quell, that your voice and your words would would come through this morning and transform us. God, that we could go out rejoicing, just marinating in who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I just want to recap. Um, For those of you who are new, who don't know, like... um, Sarah said, Pastor Scott's out of town. We're going through the book of Acts. And so different people have preached on different chapters of the book of Acts. Acts is awesome, guys. If you haven't read it before, most of you probably have. I see a lot of mature believers here. Acts is so amazing. It's so interesting. It's wild. I mean, this is like the beginning of the church. Like... There's all these people who are honestly, you're you're like figuring, they're kind of figuring things out as they go along. There's tradition that's been around for that hundreds, thousands of years, but like Jesus came, he turned things on its head. They're trying to find their place. Um, Like, you know, Judaism had been a protected religion, but like following Jesus, it's like threatening that because they're saying he's a son of God. It's crazy. So last week, Chris preached on Stephen being martyred and That's really important because this is like a turning point in the book of Acts, right? So before this, the believers are in Jerusalem. If the church is on a hero's journey, this is the inciting incident where they go on their quest to fulfill the Great Commission, and they're scattered throughout the world to start preaching the gospel, right? So this is where we pick up. We pick up with Philip. Um, There's a couple stories, okay? I want to be mindful of time. I didn't set my timer. So let me do that. Talk amongst yourselves for like the 30 seconds it takes me to set my timer. What time do I go till? 
one. Do I hear two? Just kidding. That's such an old... Shows you I've been in church for a while. Um, okay. So I'm going to read a lot of scripture, but hopefully you guys can stick with me. It's super fun. It's awesome. There's two stories that I'm going to read. So Philip, who was one of the seven deacons, you remember how Scott was talking about the seven deacons who were appointed to serve the tables in Jerusalem so the apostles could focus on the word? So Stephen was one of them. Philip is another one. We know he's called Philip the Evangelist later in Acts. This is like the beginning point. So he goes off, and he's in the city of Samaria. This is the first story that we're going to read, okay? So Acts 8, verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Four unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Remember that, much joy in that city. Dun, dun, dun. Enter Simon, the magician. I like to call him Simon the sorcerer because of the alliteration. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But... When they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. Baptized, just public commitment to believing in Jesus, right? Both men and women, immersion in water. Even Simon himself believed. That's pretty amazing. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, when the apostles back in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John. So they brought in the big guns, right? Philip, you know? But they're like, wow, they received Jesus because this is what it says here. He, they came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because he had not yet fallen on them. But they'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. This would be so fun for me to talk about because I really love the Holy Spirit, but I'm not going to camp on that today. But, it's, but the Holy Spirit's awesome. Pastor Scott preached on being filled with the Holy Spirit and being continually filled with the Holy Spirit a few messages ago. So if you need a refresher, go back and listen to, this, to that one. I promise it's amazing. But I think it's worth stopping and noting here that being baptized in Jesus and being baptized in the Holy Spirit really are different. And there was something here that happens that is so noteworthy that Simon, who had been following Philip and seeing the signs and miracles that he did, is now compelled to ask the disciples the following. When the disciples laid their hands on them, the Sumerians, and they received the Holy Spirit, Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, and he offered them money, saying, give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's amazing. Like, the power of the Holy Spirit, that was so compelling that it took him to that next level. But this is where it gets crazy. Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God. Repent therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Intense. 
Simon had believed, he had been baptized, he was sticking close to Philip and the other believers, and yet here Peter is calling him out, repent, pray to the Lord that the intent of your heart may be forgiven you, for I see that you're in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Bookmark this. Cool. We're going to go to the next story, okay? It's Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. It's the next story right after. So Philip, he'd been in Samaria preaching to the Samarians. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down, down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him. Side note, yes, Philip ran up to a chariot. I mean, just envision that, okay? And he, I lost my place. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And the eunuch invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And the passage of scripture he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? So awesome to know. He's not just telling him who Jesus is, but there's a whole process, right? He's even described like being water baptized. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, wild. Like, let's not just skip over that. I don't know when the last time was that happened to you, fellow believers, but it's been a while for me. And the eunuch saw him no more, and the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. This is really really amazing. Like the things that stuck out to me when I was reading this, okay, the Sumerians, the city was filled with much joy when they received the gospel of Jesus. The eunuch, when he received Jesus, he was filled. He went on his way rejoicing. But the one person who wasn't filled with joy and who wasn't rejoicing was Simon the sorcerer. There's a couple of things I want to talk about that are the differences in the way that we respond to Jesus. And I know there's a lot of us who have been following and serving the Lord for a while. And some of us are newer. There's something in here for all of us because we see God at work in so many ways. There are people who had never heard the gospel before and Jesus saved them. There's people who are healed of physical infirmity. There's people who are set free. There's people filled with the Holy Spirit. There's people called to repentance. Now, just let's talk a little bit about Simon the sorcerer, okay? Verse 9, it says, Simon had said that he was someone great. So he was just like preaching, you know, the good news of Simon. It's important to note, he had a lot of admiration in that city. He had the respect. People really liked him. And I think it's really easy to see someone like that, and it seems so unrelatable, a magician in an ancient city. But it's not that different. How many of us really just want people to like us? How many of us really just want admiration and respect and 
to be seen as someone great. Honestly, it's something that if we're real, like we still struggle with and we still have to bring to the Lord, right? But he came wanting to be someone great. When he was, as opposed to the Ethiopian eunuch, right? Here's a guy who kind of understood not just having authority, not just having greatness, because he was, remember the passage said, he was in some ways a man of power and influence. He was in charge of royal finances. So he had authority. He also in some ways had greatness, but he was also a slave. That's what a eunuch was. I think most of us here know what a eunuch was, but I am on a mic and I have to say he was castrated. That's what a eunuch was, all right? He was a slave, he was castrated, he was deprived of his ability to have offspring to perpetuate his name and his family in the earth. And that is a thing that he did not choose. It was something that was thrust upon him. And it was an injustice. And I think it's so interesting how God is at work and he will always speak to us and his word always has something for us because he's reading this random passage in the prophet Isaiah. First of all, because he was a eunuch, when he went to Jerusalem, he probably wasn't able to go into the temple, right? Because people who were eunuchs were not allowed. So he went to worship, but he was denied access to the temple, but somehow he got access to some of the prophet Isaiah. And this passage, this section that he's reading, I just want to share, I read it to you in the ESV, but I want to share it in the NIV version. It says um, in verse 33, as it's talking about Jesus, right? As it's talking about the coming Messiah. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. That's one of the ways that that passage can be interpreted. So I think it's amazing that God placed that portion of scripture in the eunuch's hands to study brought Philip running alongside his chariot to reveal to him that Jesus had suffered. He was the one who knew what it was to suffer injustice. He was the one who had been humiliated and that had happened for the eunuch. He explained to him what it was, who Jesus was for him, that Jesus could relate to the pain that the eunuch had experienced. And I think it's really amazing to note that the eunuch had a humble and receptive heart, right? He had come to worship, as opposed to Simon the sorcerer, who was there trying to figure out how he could buy the Holy Spirit, how he could use God to make himself great. And, you know, when I was initially reading this, well, I'll get there. I just want to talk a little bit about that rebuke that Simon had from Peter. You know, a lot of times we read this. I know I'm jumping around a lot. Sorry, Nikita. It's like jumping back and forth to the scriptures I'm reading. But um, I, I have to jump back and forth in my notes too. Um, I just want to go back to the part where Peter rebukes Simon. It says, Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this manner for your heart is not right before God. Repent, Therefore, if this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you, for I see that you're in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. I just want to say that it's obvious from this passage that the rebuke was not a condemnation. He was not condemning 
Simon to, you know, he says, your money perish with you. He wasn't condemning him. It was just like, no, take your money. Like your money, you know, perish with you. But he was offering him an invitation, an exhortation to repent and pray that the intent of your heart would be forgiven you. You know, when Peter says, I see that you're in the gall of bitterness and you're in the bond of iniquity, it's not to condemn him. It's not to shame him. It's to say, this is the thing that is that you're in bondage to that's keeping you from experiencing joy. There's one commentator who defines the, um, I don't know if I wrote it down, but let's see if I can remember it from studying. I didn't write it down, but I remember it. There is a commentator who wrote about this phrase, bond of iniquity, that they're like the iron chains of an addiction that you can't free yourself from. And I think that that was so powerful because I want us to remember that Simon had believed, but there was something that he was in bondage to. There were these iron chains, uh, chains, an addiction that he couldn't free himself from. And he couldn't see that the answer wasn't to be praised and lauded by people and to be liked by people, but the answer was to let Jesus set him free from this. That's where the joy comes from. I wish that I had more of Roger's joy because during worship, we were praising Jesus and you were filled with so much joy that you were laughing. And I thought, this guy, I'm maybe preaching to other people, but this guy, he's got what I want. And I'm going to ask this guy to pray for me afterwards because he's moved with joy. I mean, you have seen some life and you're still rejoicing in who God is for you and what he's done for you. You know, and I think a lot of times we can come to church and there's something that we feel bound by, discouraged by, um, not yet healed from, something that felt heavy, a loss, that feels unfair or feels like an injustice. And sometimes we can let those things weigh us down and prevent us from rejoicing in the power of who God is and what he's done for us, that he set us free and he loved us. He loves us. He loved us when we were still sinners. And the reality that we walk in love and we have a future and a hope in him and that we can rejoice even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of injustice, even in the midst of things not going according to our plan, even in the midst of things that are out of our control. Like the acknowledgement that he is God and we are not, that I don't need to have some kind of power to control the people around me and get them to do what I want them to do, but that I can enter into his lordship and enter into the gospel of the kingdom, which is that he is king, he is Lord, and I get to come and worship him, which is something that the eunuch understood. He came to worship. He came to worship. And that's all I, that's just the very simple thing that I want us to come away with today that we would know that we're here to worship, that the thing that is holding us back from joy, the thing that feels impossible or the thing that feels like, oh, I'm never gonna, you know, one of the ways you can define an addiction or maybe sin, I don't know, if I say something heretical after the discussion, John Michelson's gonna come up and I'm sure he'll like gently guide us back into grace and truth. (laughs) Well, honestly, like, like sin, addiction, one way you can define it is, okay, you know, it's, lust is an inordinate desire, right? 
It's a desire for something that's never going to satisfy us because we're putting it in a place that only God can satisfy, right? So here's Simon the sorcerer trying to fill this desire. He's in this bond of iniquity, this gall of bitterness, like this bitterness because he had the admiration, the affection. The crowds were following him. He was someone great. Then Philip came along and took that from him, right? And he's trying to get that back. And I think it's so important to understand that, you know, these desires that feel like they're never going to be satisfied, the, things that, the thing that's keeping us from joy, the thing that's keeping us from rejoicing, it's not our circumstances. It's not the lack of money. It's not the lack of position. It's not the lack of recognition. You know, it's not um, someone saying something false about us or like exposing us. You know, it's not these things. I don't know everyone's struggle here. It's not a loss that you may have recently gone through. Um, It's not a relationship that's ended or that you're hoping starts. You know, those are not the things that you're going to find satisfaction and fulfillment in, right? Like those things, you can still be satisfied. You can still rejoice. We can still have peace in the waiting because it doesn't come from those things, right? It comes just from being close to Jesus, remembering that he died for us when we were still sinners. We deserve nothing. We didn't deserve reputation. You know, we didn't deserve recognition. We didn't deserve power or wealth. We, you know, our sins deserve death, but he loved us and he died for us and he made a way for us to have eternal relationship with him, to have victory over the things that we still sometimes struggle in and are in a bond to because we forget right? We forget that we don't actually have to be in bondage to these things. We don't actually have to live in worry or stress or fear. Like, we don't actually have to. We kind of choose to. I know that with addictions, the lines of choosing and, like, compulsion are blurred, you know, because things happen in you physically. I just want to talk about this because the power doesn't come from us. The power comes from the Holy Spirit. And this is what we're reading. This is what we are here to learn about, to talk about who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, what the word is. Because there is truth in here that sets you free. There's truth that shows you the grace of who God is. This is power, guys. Like the word is our source of life, right? Like Philip preaching the gospel of Jesus, you know, the kingdom of God, that was bringing life. It wasn't Philip. You know what I mean? Like, we don't know a lot about him. He was called Philip the Evangelist. He had four daughters who prophesied. Maybe he was a good dad. You know, he, like, served the tables. He was full of faith and wisdom. Like, but you're probably going to forget about him when someone gets up next week and preaches some radical, awesome message on Saul's conversion to Paul, right? Like, Philip doesn't really, like, we're going to meet him. We're going to think he's really cool when we meet him. But he's not the main character, right? And he's not the hero of this story. It is Jesus. Like, he's the one that sets us free. And I know we know that, and I'm not going to say anything probably that most of us don't know this morning. But sometimes we don't need a fresh thing. Sometimes what we need is a reminder to trust what we already know and a reminder to trust what he's already spoken to us because sometimes life can be really discouraging. But the word is true. You know, it's a sure foundation. His truth endures to all generations. 
You know, I love hearing Roger worshiping God. I love hearing John, Kevin's dad, worshiping because I hear in your voice that your faith has been tested and you still love him, you know? That's awesome. So I think most of us here have been around for a while. If you're new to Ren, we kind of do something a little bit different. Don't be alarmed. You can hide on your phone if you want to, but I encourage you not to. We don't just like preach a message and then go on our merry way. Someone teaches from the word, and then we divide into small groups of maybe three to five people, and you discuss what um, the passage that we just got into. I don't necessarily have specific questions for you guys. Maybe I do, because the exhortation, <laughs> forgive me, I'm a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> talks to a little baby. I mean, I really relate to Philip because like he served the tables, right? Guys, all day long, I have an 11 month old. I'm trying to teach him how to eat food. So I'm like preparing the meals, feeding him the meals, cleaning up the meals. This is how I minister to the Lord. I'm like trying to teach a human how to be a human. So this is total side note. I totally lost my train of thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Questions. Thank you. The questions. Do do we know what's preventing us from being filled with much joy? Do we know what the thing is in our life that is holding us back? Is there something? Can you name it? Can you share it with the people in your circle? And can you repent of it? You know, the repentance, it's not, the, the confessing, the repentance, it's not shame, right? The rebuke to Simon wasn't to shame him. Like, it was to bring him the opportunity to experience freedom and joy. Unfortunately, church history and tradition bears out Simon didn't repent, right? He became like a Gnostic, which is just someone who lives in deception and doesn't follow Jesus. That's the long story short. A better biblical scholar will explain it later and clean it up. But, you know, what was my point? Oh, yeah, just, what was my point? What was I talking about? Oh yeah, do you know what keeps you from joy? There's no shame, right? If in your circle you're afraid to talk about a deep thing that's in you that you're struggling with, then my second question is, what is it you need from the community to feel? Like what would the community look like for you to feel like you could open up with a person, right? Is it something in the community that you need? Is it something in yourself that we need to examine? Like, you know, for me, my family of origin, I come from a hypercritical immigrant family where like you can't do anything right even if you're like a straight-A student so I have like a very hypercritical shame voice in my head that I'm constantly like like trying to navigate and identify that's not the voice of my father that's not the voice of my father so anyways yes what is the thing that's preventing you from joy can you confess it repent of it receive joy receive power second question is if you can't share what is it that you need from the community? How can we love you? How can we be for you a conduit of grace and mercy and truth where you can experience freedom so that when you do leave on a Sunday morning, you are experiencing joy. Joy, Your burdens are removed, right? Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That's my hope for us as a church community, as a family, that we could go out and that this city would be filled with much joy because we are. All right, so I'm just going to say a quick prayer and then we can divide into groups. 
Uh, Lord, I didn't say everything that I kind of wanted to, but I hope that the things you want to communicate landed. Uh, your word says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And we believe for that, and we want that, and I know you're filling us with that. God, I pray that today during <clears throat> these small group times, just as your presence has been here in worship, just as there's power in your word, God, I pray that your presence would, that you would be present to heal, you would be present to save, you'd be present to deliver. Even in the discussion groups, I pray that we would know that these times to um, listen and love well, that we would know that these are holy times um, to live the truth of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.